more and more, I think we're gonna have to be really thinking about responsible deployment and development of AI. People that have been involved in the industry for a very long time, that may be a little bit more technology you know, concerned, they just need quick wins. If done well, it absolutely has an enormous impact on productivity. I wanna kind of look at how those two aspects come together, where you have traditional practices with new technology and what that means for the industry. There's going to be a point where AI can't physically put bricks together. I don't think that's the best solution, to be honest with you, but that's because I don't believe concrete is sustainable. What solutions can you see in the construction industry that AI and tech can definitely fill? Hello and welcome to the Inspiring Industry Podcast, where we share our conversations with leaders from around the globe. I'm your host, Danielle Chan, and this month, we're taking a look at the future of construction through the lens of AI. I don't know about you, but I personally find the rate at which AI is developing mildly unsettling, and its progression is impacting industries just as quickly. While we can debate about what the world will look like overall in five or 10 years time, there are very real adjustments being made to use AI as we speak. So as with any new technology, there are questions to consider. What are the ethical implications? How do we balance the benefits of AI with possible job displacements? Are there risks in relying on software for labor-intensive sectors? We might not have the long-term answers, but we'll do our best to take a look at how AI is being used now, especially in the construction industry. To help us do so, we're joined by specialists in the field, Chief Operating Officer, Trent Miskelly, and Building Science Manager, Neil Friedberg. Together, Trent and Neil will outline the relationship between tech and construction in their respective roles and highlight how software, data analysis, and automation are being used to streamline processes, optimize efficiency, and possibly enhance safety in construction sites around the globe. First, we kick off our conversation with Trent Miskelly. Trent, once again, welcome. It's an absolute pleasure to have you join us. I would just like to paint a quick picture um, of your career journey for those who don't know who you are. Um, you serve as the Chief Operating Officer over at Document Crunch, which in a nutshell specializes in construction contract simplification. And prior to your time at Document Crunch, you were the operating partner at Integrated Capital. But before then, you also co-founded Level 10, which has recently joined forces with Document Crunch. So on top of being an industry innovator, you're also an entrepreneur. Um, could you briefly share more about Document Crunch, the work the company is doing, and Level 10? Yeah, so uh, thank you for the introduction. Thank you for having us. Um, uh, Document Crunch, in a nutshell, is helping people get more in intelligent about their contracts in the construction industry. Uh, our co-founders actually were attorneys uh, for large general contractors and independent legal firms that help support uh, the construction industry. And they just had this idea that 
a lot of the work that they were doing to support their their customers or their or their employers um, could be done using artificial intelligence. And um, and so they started off really on a journey to figure out like how to put their brains in a box. And that is really in a nutshell what Document Crunch is all about. Like how can we take this knowledge that normally is locked up in in legal uh, teams or legal experts and really help the people that are executing the projects every day or, or reviewing contracts every day, just be uh, smarter about what's in those documents. And, um, and that's kind of expanded out. Um, we both, we support uh, both contracts, other documents that come into play during the construction process. And up until really this year, we've been really through uh, 2023, we've been really focused on helping people with the risk review process, identifying what is most important in their contracts, and then giving them rationale and insights as to why they should care and what they can do about it, whether they're in the negotiation phase or whether they're in the, uh, whether the, the contract's already been executed. And really the next part of our journey, and we've begun this in 2023, is now how do we get this information out of the back office and into the field um, and help project managers and project teams understand uh, what's important that they need to comply with uh, in, their, in their construction documents. Super. Brilliant. Um, so this month we're focusing on AI in construction, and this is quickly becoming critical to safety and efficiency in the industry. Could you share specific examples of how AI has significantly improved construction processes within the business and for your clients? Um, and what were the challenges that AI needed to overcome? Oh, absolutely. So. The core of Document Crunch, um, we've created domain-specific machine learning models to, with a high degree of accuracy, identify key provisions in complicated construction uh, contracts. And so, for example, indemnity clauses or uh, like notice clauses, like if, if you have any any important information, we identify roughly forty-five different areas of the contract that are that are critical to uh, risk, and you know. That's a little bit different in subcontracts in which we might identify 10 or 12 different items just because it's a, a more narrow scope. We, um, we, we, we know that it's important with, with really a high degree of accuracy, 90% or better that we need to identify this information, not only to provide trust for our customers, I mean, because we want our customers to trust our software, but also um, to ensure that they have consistency and efficiency in the review process. Um, so what would normally take hours, if not days, uh, for someone to like thoroughly review a contract, we're reducing that down to, you know, an hour. Right. And so really helping them really focus in on those areas that are most important and, and being kind of really a guide by their side, if you will. And so that's where I see AI really being a benefit in the initial, uh, stage that we're at. Um, most recently, obviously with, with the introduction of large language models, um, which have obviously really taken the world by storm. Um, and in a lot of ways, there, there are things that that, um, that, that, that introduction sped up on our roadmap or even introduced new concepts to our roadmap that we weren't even thinking about before. So generative AI is a huge, uh, value add to what we're doing. So after we identify these key, key pieces of information in the, in the contract, we can now allow our customers to go beyond the constraints of what we might provide and now ask questions of their, of their documents, uh, that, to help them provide insights that maybe dive deeper um, into areas like, for example, one of the big things that's changing in the industry right now, because contracts are living and breathing sort of documents, right? You know, it's just the, the nature of the business. 
Um, we've seen things like design delegation come up as a new area of risk for a general contractor where now they are taking on the responsibility of making design decisions that would have otherwise been a part of the architect or engineer. And now they're, uh, our customers are able to dive into the contracts and the specifications and identify any area uh, where that might come up. And that's actually not only a benefit of how we um, have built our own native machine learning models, but it's also a benefit of these large language models that allow us to provide that context of the contracts and other documents that come into play and allow our customers to kind of find and peer into um, those documents in new ways that, that one, make it far more efficient. I mean, some of these documents can be thousands of pages long, right? It's just impossible for someone to go find the needle in the haystack. And large language models uh, have become just this enormous asset for quickly identifying the needle amongst the needles in the haystack. So um, anyway, that's that's a, kind of in a nutshell. And there's just a lot more to come. Um, we uh, we believe that AI and how we're, we're able to apply AI with appropriate context will help provide more predictive uh uh, capabilities of, of our product inside of the project execution phase. So integrating into the project management uh, and, and project execution is really where I think the industry is uh, going to go and where we see an, a, an enormous opportunity of Blue Ocean for Document Crunch uh, to help, you know, really, once again, be that guide by our, our customer side, but in a more proactive uh, sense than rather reactive uh, sense. And I think that that's really interesting because that's essentially where predictive analytics, I think that's what it's referred to, kind of comes into play. And I think um, at the moment, there's a bit of a stereotype around what AI looks like. And the nitty gritty part of how it can be um, really efficient is the part that makes it really useful. Um, so I was wondering, could you talk about any sort of um, instances where those analytics has led to more efficient decision making specifically within the construction industry yeah i'll talk i'll talk a little bit about where we are and where we're going so i mean for example i mean what I, one of the things i mentioned earlier is that one of the things document crunch really focused on initially was providing rationale and insight to our customers and so really if you're in the phase of negotiating um you know a contract or you're in the phase of even like having already executed a contract what we want to do is help you be smarter about what you need to know about before you need to know it, right? And so if you're, for example, um, give you a great example. So if you have conditions in the contract that require you to send a notification or a notice uh, based on a weather condition that causes delays on a project, um, you want to make sure the right people in the field know about that, right? I mean, it's, it's, it's fine that the back office team knows about it. Maybe they communicated it, but when it happens, you need to know what you need to do to, to adhere to the, to the terms of the contract. So this is an area where we're really diving in. And um, we actually just announced a partnership with uh, Procore, which is one of the leading project management solutions uh, in, the, in the world. Um, and, uh, and we're bringing Document Crunch really to where our customers work. So in the case that these conditions come up and you know that they, this information is starting to be submitted into the project management solution, we can let them know through our integration with Procore, hey, here's the, the conditions in the contract with, that you need to be aware of. And we can even take that as far as actually creating a notice for them. And so rather than having to do the drudgery of typing up the, the notice, we can just identify that this condition is arising. We need, to, we need to collect a little bit of information from you, or maybe that information already exists in the project management solution. 
we could say, here is a notice, um, please review it and send it uh, when, uh, so that you can make sure you adhere to that so that you don't wind up having fee erosion, right? And so that's where a lot of people get in trouble is that, you know, they don't, they don't take the steps that the, that the contract requires. And so they wind up in situations to where they are, uh, you know, they don't, they can't claim, uh, you know, a condition that would otherwise, uh, be allowable by the terms of the contract. And I think that an aspect like this also speaks into safety on site. Um, because from what it sounds like, it looks, um, like AI has that ability to sort of enhance safety protocols within the confines of the contract. Um, are there any sort of approaches that Document Crunch has taken to monitor and be doubly secure, if you will, um, of workers through AI-powered solutions? So I'd say Document Crunch isn't there yet in terms of enabling more safety protocols. I'm sure there's some ways that we are uh, adjacently uh, aiding that. I mean, obviously, there's um, there's certain uh, aspects of a contract that stipulate safety conditions that must be adhered to. I wouldn't say that we're yet to the point where we're doing that um, as a as a native capability, but that's definitely a direction that we see because we're aware of those those uh, conditions that that can arise. I will say that there are some amazing solutions out there that I've seen on in the field, uh, especially from video capture to image capture that are really aiding uh, you know project teams understand what they what what is going on in the field and when safety conditions arise helping them be more proactive about how to adjust the, the project site uh, to adhere to that. And so we're super excited about that. Certainly we want to partner up with um, uh, companies that are, that are going deep in those areas and, um, and, and so more to come. Um, what impact has AI had on the efficiency and accuracy of project outcomes? Uh, so AI is having a, a, a much bigger impact. I mean, like, like I said, from, a, from document crunch to those infill um, uh, companies focused on those areas, uh, you're starting to see like really like meaningful deployments of technology and, and AI-based solutions to helping project teams. Um, so in terms of quantifying it, I couldn't quite give you a number, but I mean, anecdotally, I know when we talk to our customers, um, more and more, they are leaning into solutions that, that are AI-enabled to help their teams across the board. Right. I mean, and, you know, that comes uh, from all the way down to the to the people slinging the hammers. Right. So, I mean, it's it's a it's a new world um, in a lot of ways. And I think you're going to see a, a, a huge acceleration there because, one, it helps manage costs. It, it helps teams really get uh, just generally more efficient. Um, and I think I think that's just going to be an industry trend we see uh, pick up pace more and more over the coming years. Um. You mentioned how there are those clients who are leaning in more and more. Um, I'd love to know a bit more about the clients who are, I suppose, potential clients who are a little bit more skeptical about how AI um, is impacting construction. More in the sense that because the industry is very hands-on and very labor-dependent, then having to turn to um, ERP systems, the cloud, something that's intangible, um, tends to be a, a little bit more, um, there's a bit more hesitancy in that regard. Um, so how, how do you essentially navigate that transition for clients who are a bit more hesitant, um, but where you can clearly see where strategies will absolutely help benefit them? 
Well, I think there's a couple of things at play uh, in that regard. One is that for the, you know, for the, the, the people that have been involved in the industry for a very long time, that may be a little bit more technology, uh, you know, concerned, um, they just need quick wins, right? I mean, one of the things that I think, you know, we try to do at Document Crunch is like, we, we see speed to value as a feature, right? And so that, that comes in the, in, the, in the form of making it a fairly low investment for them to see value, right? And so for us, it's uploading a contract and being able to, in minutes, seeing that, you know, oh my God, this is showing me results that, that are like, would have taken me forever to go through. And oh my goodness, like you're able to summarize this information in a way that like I can now give to my project team because I would never want them to have to read through the contract, right? And so those quick wins allow even those that are, that are maybe more concerned about the impact to see that there's a huge benefit for them. And so I think that's one of the, the attributes of play. Now, one of the other things that I think is really meaningful with play is that, I mean, there, I mean, I'm sure you're aware of this. I mean, there's almost like a barbell of, of, of resources in the industry. There's those that have been in the industry forever. Um, and then there's, uh, the new generation coming up that is like already been living on mobile devices and, you know, working with, you know, applications, social or otherwise that are already AI driven. And so they already have a comfort and, and the technology being an asset to them and, and something that they're just already comfortable with from day one. And I think that is going to also usher in this new way of how do we, how do we use technology to our advantage, um, that is going to be less, um, uh, of a barrier. Right. And so I think, you know, that quick wins for the, for the existing folks that may be less, you know, less comfortable, less familiar. I think that's going to be a driving force. And I think that younger generation coming in and, and, and being comfortable and just kind of pushing towards having these solutions in play. And I think overall, when you, you combine those things together, it's like a one plus one equals three. Um, I think you're going to start to see, and you already see it now. I mean, everybody out in the field has, has a mobile device, you know, probably in their pocket. Right. And so helping them, you know, try to make it easy and like bite size for us to provide value, like when it matters is going to be key. Um, and so once again, I, I think speed is a feature here, giving people really like tangible bite size value is going to be one of the big things that are going to help people kind of get over the hump and realize that you don't always have to make some extreme investment or change like your day to day, uh, work significantly in order to get value. And I think that that is, that is what, what we believe. And that's one of the things that we really lean into, um, because we realize, I mean, sometimes that, that overhead of just making the initial investment, um, can be a barrier to entry. Um, and we don't think it has to be that way. Are there any areas that you're concerned about? Oh, absolutely. So, I mean, you know, the, I think we have to be really responsible about how we, uh, go about implementing AI. I mean, we, we really take it very seriously, like the quality of the results that we provide to our customer have to meet a very high bar. Um, and so, especially when it comes to AI and, and especially when it comes to the, this new evolution of large language models and generative AI, uh, we have to be very conscious and aware of guardrails, uh, uh, in our product to ensure that the results that we're providing meet that bar. Um, and so I think with great power comes great responsibility. Um, and, and I think AI is like exactly that. Um, and so we, we, we take that very seriously, uh, and everything that we do, right? So we have subject matter experts that are evaluating, um, you know, anything that we do throughout the product to, to, to make sure that it meets our standards. 
Um, we work very closely with our customers and evaluating like experimental capabilities of AI before we do a massive rollout uh, of those capabilities, just to make sure that we are, you know, we are giving them you know, real value from what, from what we're doing and adjust accordingly. So, uh, so I, I think that, that is, uh, you know, for me, responsible AI and, and ensuring, you know, that we don't burden our customers or put our customers in a situation that we don't, we can't, we can't control. Um, is going to be critical. And as I think you get further into the field and, and some of the ways that that, um, you know, that that uh, is going to change for, for, for people that are working in the project, it's going to be even more so important, right? Because we can't throw them off track. We can't put them in a, in, in a, in a, in a uh, dangerous safety situation. I mean, so more and more, I think we're going to have to be, uh, you know, really thinking about responsible deployment and development of AI. Um, as as these technologies evolve, which they're going to do at a very rapid pace. Brilliant. Um, so looking towards the future, what do you see as the sort of next frontier of AI in the construction industry? Are there any uh, sort of new emerging trends that we can highlight for our listeners? Yeah, I think that you're going to see a co-pilot for everything. I mean, I, I think uh, you're going to see this, you know, this, this idea of the co-pilot Microsoft's really been pushing on that concept and all of their products from, you know, co-pilots and Word, co-pilots and presentation, co-pilots and, and your email. I think you're going to start to see that emerge in, in project management solutions. I think you're going to see that emerge in uh, mobile, uh, you know, applications that are, that are used more heavily in the field. And I think that's a good overall trend, right? I mean, I think once again, I mean, it has to be built uh, responsibly. It has to be really um, rolled out uh, incrementally. But I think you're going to see that that concept of of the co-pilot or the guide by your side um, emerge as, as a huge trend across the industry. Uh, I know every every company that we talk with, every partner we talk with, every now literally because of just ChatGPT and all of all of that kind of uh, you know hitting the world by storm. It's in every boardroom of every company we talk to. I mean, I, I talked to a CEO of uh, of a major general contractor recently, and. And he was, he already had been using ChatGPT and been like, oh my God, like I can do this. And he's like, how could this impact like what we're doing with you guys? And I was like, in so many ways. And so, you know, I, I think you're starting to see like there is, I mean, you know, for better or worse, like everybody is aware of, of, of the fact that this technology is, is, is emerging and emerging quickly. And they're wanting to start figuring out how to, to take advantage of it. And if done well, if done, uh, and it, it absolutely has an enormous impact on productivity. We even at Document Crunch, I encourage our entire team to use uh, these technologies to improve productivity. And I think as people get more comfortable with it, as people realize what uh, what they can do with it, the power that, that comes with it, I think you're just going to see it pick up pace. And uh, and we want to be you know as as ahead of that wave as as possible. And so we. Uh, we kind of dog through that ourselves and uh, we're starting to see our customers really want to lean in and build with us. And I think that's, that's going to be, uh, it's going to be awesome to see that, that emerge. Absolutely. Absolutely. Trent. Um, on a more personal note and sort of coming into my final question, um, as a leader in the industry, what is the one piece of advice you've received in your career that has kept you motivated to get you where you are today? Oh, very interesting question. Um, um, hmm. I would say, I really think, you know, I really think going back to, to that, 
responsibility piece. Like I, you know, I, as a chief operating officer of our company, I feel very, um, responsible to make sure that we build our company in the right way. Um, you know, that's, that's come from many, uh, you know, battle scars over, over many companies that I've, uh, I've been a part of building. Um, but I would say, you know, uh, doing the right thing, even when no one is looking is such a, such an important, um, piece of the equation for me that I, I try to, to, to live that in the, in the way that I, um, in the way that I build companies and the way that I work with our team. And I, I think also the way that we work with our customers for sure. Um, you know, I'd rather do it. I'd rather do the right thing. Um, you know, you know, all the time, no matter what. And that starts with just, you know, being truthful. Um, even when we make mistakes, we try to be as truthful as possible. Um, we try to be proactive about it. Um, and I think that builds the right type of relationship internally and externally. Um, and so that's a, that's a big deal to us. Um, we've instilled values at our company that I think also help us adhere to that. You know, even though we don't say it specifically, uh, do the right thing when they need it when no one's looking like we we're very, uh, like one of our core values is to be warm hearted. Um, which that's uh, something like I said, internally and externally, um, we, you know, we want to be really inspired to, to, to make a difference, uh, for our customers and, and to make a difference for ourselves. And, um, and also, I, and, 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 ter- you know, we want to be growth minded. Um, we want to, we want to grow with our customers. We want to be looking at where we can improve as a company. And improve as people. Um, and I think that really kind of all comes back to that theme is, you know, you know, doing the right thing when no one's looking and doing the right thing in general. Um, and I think that's, that has always been kind of the guide by my side, um, is, and, and I think really has helped shape the culture of our organization and how we work with our, our customers. Brilliant. Brilliant. I absolutely love that. Um, Trent, thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure. Awesome. Thank you, Danielle, for uh, inviting us. And uh, this has been fun. One aspect that stood out to me from my conversation with Trent was his perspective on how AI, when used responsibly, is an excellent tool to enhance human tasks. Like he said, a contract that may take hours to work through can be made comprehensive in a matter of minutes. And I think that these possibilities make the technology incredibly appealing, but some might disagree. Our second interview is with Neil Friedberg, and it introduces a more practical and sustainable perspective. With more than a decade of professional experience in the building science field, he is passionate about translating technology into tactical applications that drive sustainability and smart design. Neil is an experienced field application engineer with a demonstrated history of working in the building materials industry. Prior to joining LP Building Solutions in 2021, he worked at Owens Corning for 10 years as a building science leader. Over to Neil. Neil, I firstly just want to thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me today. Um, And to get started, for listeners who haven't heard of you or LP Building Solutions, um, just Tell me more about your background. How did you come to be in construction? Sure. So thank you for having me on. My name is Neil Friedberg. I'm the building science manager here at LP. Um, Construction is basically what I grew up with. My brother had a construction company when I was young and uh, summers and weekends, I'd basically work with him. Um, Not all weekends, some weekends, depending on how my parents were feeling, right? Um, 
but regardless, that's how I got into construction. So I, I grew up in it, uh, young from, you know, sweeping to fabricating to everything. And I was like, I don't want to be in construction anymore. So I'm going to go get myself an engineering degree and then I'm right back in it. Right. Uh, but my background in building science is I graduated with, um, a bachelor's degree in architectural engineering, uh, out of AM Kingsville. And then I uh, was hired technically right before I graduated, but in full till after at Owens Corning for almost 12 years. Uh, Owens Corning is a fiberglass manufacturer where I worked with, honestly, some of the best building scientists. And I got trained really well. And then uh, LP recruited me. And I've been here for uh, almost two and a half years now. Brilliant. Brilliant. And you talked about you know, being building science manager. From your day-to-day running of the business, what does your role look like? What what are you bringing to the construction industry? Ah, so much. So because of my background, I'm using a lot of my installation knowledge, like the actual people who put things together and improving our systems, uh, you know, from uh, patenting uh, several items I can't truly speak about, but like ways to benefit um, the installer and ease of practice of what we're doing and how we install also in how you people handle the materials. So as they're moving sheets or panels um, of or our products around, they tend to drop them, scratch them, stuff like that. So I, I make sure that the products that we're putting out there, we're, we're making all these great claims for, are performing as they need to, especially with in, even, you know, not just when in place, but also when handled. Brilliant, brilliant. Um, from what you talked about earlier, your career to date where you are is pretty extensive um what what would you say are your sort of motivations for the solutions that you bring towards the industry um so it's it's much more of a personal goal uh that exceeds like any other thing but it's it's making the world a better place Mm -hmm. making you know making the world a place where i can leave it to my children and they can leave it to their children, something that's sustainable, something that is going to be around. And that's why I like what I do. And I think with that, so in this episode in particular, we're taking a closer look at tech in construction. And obviously over the last decade, maybe even less than that, uh, digitalization has been massive in the industry. And so from your experience, could you tell me about how construction is benefiting from digitalization, how that impacts you when it comes to the job site? Sure. So it, it, it just means more specificity when it comes to product. Um, you know, for example, we have a customer asking for a, a specific size panel, and that's because that the way that they're building is affecting the way that we manufacture. Um, right there, they're basically panelizing. So what they do is they take the construction off site, build it in a plant and then bring it on site. You start popping up walls, right? So that the digitalization that they've implemented in their, in their system is affecting how, what, you know, how our products are being used. And then, uh, on top of that, what's dimensions they're asking for, right? So now because they can focus so much on a, a very good visualization of the, the blueprint and the plans, uh, they, they're asking for bigger panels or longer panels so they can avoid certain overlapping issues or, or even increase shear in some areas, right? So it affects us. Can you tell me a bit more about the sort of software that you work with to essentially make your job easier? Um, so mine's a little different. Mine's, mine 
mine because I do building science. I do mold analysis. I can, you know, I've worked with uh, builders to understand their uh, HVAC, their uh, air conditioning needs or heating needs. Uh, so I, I stick to more of like the woofy for hydrothermal. Um, uh, I, I can do right soft. I can also do like REM rate or ecotrope for energy, right? So that's kind of where I stick to. Uh, but when it comes to like working with customers, yeah, CAD, there's REMS, you know, uh, not REM, not Revit, there's ArchiCAD, SketchUp. So it depends on who you're working with and how big they are. Also shows you the budget they're willing to pay for these, you know, designs. And then they can send it to us and we can work with them to help understand how and what they actually need. And then we work with the plants to see what our limitations are, right? So our biggest limitation is what we can out, uh, out like uh, output in the sense of dimensions because a lot of our infrastructure is planned around these set standards of about nine foot, eight foot or 10 foot panel. Mm-hmm. So it kind of limits us in uh, what we can give out, but we're trying to improve that to have a much more diverse portfolio. Yeah, yeah, super, super. Um, I think with that, as an observer of the construction industry, right, and I think even from my perspective where I see headlines of news, you know, Cobard building the next sort of 3D building in Europe, that kind of stuff, there's a lot happening in the industry that I think for businesses that are trades-based, which is a sector that um, has has a history of, you know, we're doing what we do, we're very practical, hands-on, and you stick to what you know. I want to kind of look at how those two aspects come together where you have traditional practices with new technology and what that means for the industry. Could you speak a little bit into that? Yeah. So we actually have a product called NovaCore. And on our NovaCore panels, it's an insulating, it's, it's an XPS, it's a foam plastic, one inch R5 attached to a 716 OSB panel. Um, on those panels, we are actually putting QR codes on there because everyone has a cell phone. And we have videos in English and Spanish, especially in our areas where those matter. We're working on creating them in French. So that way, when we go to Canada, there'll be some French Canadian attached to it, right? So we're, we're providing these tools on our panels that are basically right they're basic panels they don't they don't they don't do anything magical right they provide structure they provide insulative uh ability stuff like that but it's not some magical tool that increases the benefit of um the installer so the installer you know may not be comfortable with it so we're providing all these tools where they can use tools that they're comfortable with which is their cell phone to scan our product look at all the information that's provided for installation videos um, both in English and Spanish, the documents in English and Spanish. That way, there's no barrier to the installer. So that's definitely one way that we're helping. Uh, other ways is that we we're providing. So LP has a building, um, a technical sales team, and they go out there and train daily, right? So that is kind of the traditional way. But as things go on, they can incorporate more of the technologies that we're developing or more of the items that we're working on into those products. And they're probably the best people who, who are on site talking to these installers. Brilliant. So I think it, essentially what you're saying is like it's a in as much as it's about new technology, it's also about having the people to facilitate integrating with that technology. Yes. Which I suppose in a way also maintains the sort of humanness in it. Um, 
because I think another aspect to that is AI and construction. How are you seeing AI take a more dominant presence in what the construction industry looks like? Yeah, that's a that's a great question. You know, it, it's funny because I'm I'm a big nerd when it comes to technology, right? I I love it. Um, AI is one of those things that there's going to be a point where AI can't physically put bricks together or can't physically nail something until you build that device that can, right? Um, so we'll get to a point where we'll see this being incorporated. Are we there now? No. How can we get there? 100%. 100%. Uh, there's no reason why an AI program can't look at a plan, understand the sheer nailing pattern of something, and then tell you how. Uh, in fact, you know, I'm going to go back to the penalizer plants. I, you know, when I was looking at the penalizer plants and how they were putting stuff together, they had a screen that knew exactly the wall you were building and it told you what stud to pick. Like it said, hey, pick this length for this corner, pick this length for this piece around the window, stuff like that, right? So uh, while I think it was just a um, a projection from a projector, there's going to be a point where it's going to be able to say, hey, that, that wood you're looking for is over here. Basically have like a laser or something pointing to it. That way the person putting it together or then the machine putting it together doesn't even have to think about it, just goes and grabs it and puts it. So yeah, I mean, it's it's coming. I don't know when, but I'm excited to see it. It's going to it's going to make our life different. What ways um, do you or I suppose what solutions? What solutions can you see in the construction industry that AI and tech can definitely fill? Yeah, so there's there's a couple. I mean, you know, so I I'm going to go back to like a smart home idea, right? So everybody talks about a smart home, and when we talk about a smart home, we're talking about the technology, the the bandwidth that you can reach around a house or or like the 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 wireless connectivity of plugs and switches, right? That's what 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 we call today a smart house. I don't I don't think that as a I don't think of that as a smart house. I think of something maybe a system that is incorporated in OSB that can detect, detect moisture or leaks that can send out a warning to the homeowner or or building uh, owner pre pre a large amount of damage, that to me is a smart home, right? So I believe that systems will be coming out like that soon. Now, I don't, I'm not saying I know of any, that's not what I'm claiming, but there's no way that people aren't thinking of how to incorporate moisture meters into wall systems or into wall configurations around plumbing that can detect a leak or get to detect moisture and then warn people before there's an immense amount of damage, right? Like that, that to me is a smart home. Are there any um, challenges when you look at the industry as a whole at the moment? Are there any challenges that you are facing um, that feel like tech and tech and AI could sort of work through? But like you said, we're just not at that phase yet, and we still need trades folk, we still need hands-on roles to work through that. So honestly, I, I so there's a, there's a couple avenues that I, I like to think of this from. So from a manufacturing standpoint, if you're installing, you know, installing um, items into a plant around tight curves, you can use AI and programs that can help you maneuver that piece through tight curves and stuff like that, right? So that's definitely one way that things are being used today. 
right? We we have people with uh, three uh, drones with three D scanners in our plants scanning things today, because we're either developing or adding new technology to our plants uh, or manufacturing sites that need this technology, right? So that's definitely one way. But another way is in in day to day, you know, AI may start off looking like it already. Uh, someone setting up like a tripod and, and projecting onto a wall and it telling you where it wants that uh, electric, electrical cable to run, where it wants a water pipe to run to help prevent uh, complications in construction or, you know, um, you're going to have that electrician fighting for a spot next to a plumber, next to a guy dropping in ducks or, you know, stuff like that. I think that's where it's going to start. But over time, it's going to start becoming much more integrated into the, the system, right? It can start designing or building walls maybe on site, you know, we, we have those 3D, um, the, the, the cement 3D printer homes, right? So that's already a step forward. Uh, I don't, I don't think that's the best solution to be honest with you, but that's because I don't believe concrete is sustainable. Um, but I do believe that we're just starting to scratch that surface and it's just going to improve over time. Super. Super. Um, Neil, another aspect I'd like to talk to you about um, is sustainability, which is obviously a massive buzzword at the moment. And I think we'll also get to a point where it is a baseline requirement for a lot of companies. How can contractors and other construction-based businesses best incorporate sustainability into their practices? So it's it's tough, right? So there's there's a lot of different understandings of sustainability right? There's the industry standard, there's, and then there's um, the industry overall definition, but then there's also like internal industry standards. So like uh, our OSB is manufactured using uh, sustainable forestry uh, practices. So we, we go out there and we identify the right tree at the right time, not too old, not, you're right. So we, we focus on that and we, and then we plant two for one is from my understanding, right? So we're constantly replanting our trees so we can harvest them. And these trees are, you know, it takes 10 years before we typically harvest a tree. So it is a long wait period, right? So in that sense, we are focusing on the right tree, the right size, but also uh, we're also using the tree to pull out as much carbon in the air as possible, right? After, after about 10 years, it's pulled out about 85 to 90% of its lifetime uh, uh, carbon need, and then it starts slowing down. So we're harvesting right at kind of peak where it starts dying off on, on the benefit to the environment, stuff like that, right? So that's one way we do sustainability. But then there's also the sustainability of a product, the resiliency of a product, right? Like how it performs and how it moves uh, or how it can perform in the changing climates that we're seeing today. Wonderful, wonderful. Um, how, what are your kind of forward projections about how quickly sustainability will be a requirement for businesses, whether that's on site, like you said, internally. Uh, I, to be honest with you, you know, I, I started this industry ten years ago, and sustainability was relatively new, right? Uh, sorry, thirteen years ago. Um, and, and sustainability was relatively new in the sense of like we're starting to push for it. Build, you know, manufacturing companies are starting to produce that reports, sustainability reports. Uh, you know, when I worked at Owens Corning, we literally documented every net zero home we were a part of. So if I worked with a builder that built the net zero home, I documented that and gave them that information because that all matters to that company at Owens Corning. 
Here we much we much more focus on how we affect the environment. Uh, you know, OSB is probably one of the most efficiently produced products out there. It uses its own tree to heat up uh, the flakes to help dry them out, so then we can press them. Right. So we we use close to ninety nine percent of that tree. Um, so that's other things that are sustainable. But as far as other industries, it's coming. Like if it's not there yet, it's it's in the talks. I'm part of I'm a part of Ashray. And you're constantly hearing about like decarbonization and sustainability there. So, you know, while that's maybe five to six years ahead of the curve, sustainability was a hot topic for a while, but now they've moved on to the new, the new decarbonization or electrification. Super, super. Um, one of the aspects that we love to highlight um, on the podcast being inspiring industry um, is what motivates the interviewees and obviously you talked about how um you're working with a lot of people the difference that you're making to people's lives um what would you consider to be the most rewarding aspect of your role the change in construction practice that i help implement is probably the most rewarding the the fact that i can help develop a product that uh is going to help combat or at least be resilient enough to compete with the climate change for a home's uh, energy uh, uh, consumption, right? Stuff like that. Like how how a panel um, uh, in a crawl space will perform based on the moisture and the ambient temperature, stuff like that, right? I can get really deep into it and really nerd out, but that, that's the basic gist of it. I, you know, making sure that a house performs as it's supposed to. Super, super. Neil, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Brilliant. Thank you, Neil. I must say, although it is an intimidating thought that the capabilities of AI are vastly superior to ours, ways that industry can harness data to improve efficiency could possibly help build safer sectors. However, from my perspective, as someone tentatively learning about ChatGPT, for example, I think it's absolutely worth mentioning that while AI in construction and every industry for that matter, continues to open new doors, it is essential to approach these innovations with a sense of mindfulness. I think that the rapid pace of advancement means careful thought and consideration should be given to ensure that technology serves humanity ethically and responsibly. But that's just me. What do you think? Share your thoughts in the comments section. We'd love to hear from others about how AI is influencing their sector. We've also covered AI previously in an episode regarding supply chain with Saar Jaskowitz. So if you'd like to learn more, give that a listen as well. In the meantime, that's all from us. I'd like to extend a massive thank you to Trent Kelly and Neil Friedberg for joining us. And if you liked what you heard, give it some love and hit the subscribe button to keep up to date with new episodes. For more insight into how leaders in your industry are using AI, check out the Fine Light Media website where you can gain access to all our industry magazines or follow Inspiring Industry on LinkedIn. Links can be found in the show notes. That's all we have for this month. Thanks for tuning in and join us next time where we will share our conversations with leaders from around the globe. This podcast episode is brought to you by Fine Light Media. Inspiring Industry is written and hosted by Danielle Champ. Our sound engineer and videographer is Gavin Mitchell. 
Lee Prothero is our creative lead, and he's joined by Jamie Alvin, our graphics designer. Rosie Clegg and Sarah Rudge are our digital marketing executives. And we'd like to extend a special thanks to our assistant editor, Mary Float, and our editor, Libby Hammond. The views, information, and opinions expressed during this episode are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of Finite Media and its team.